Thank you for tuning in to the True Suspense podcast, completely free with no interruptions from advertising. If you enjoy what you hear, we would greatly appreciate it if you would follow or subscribe and rate and review our podcast. It helps new listeners find us. Please note that Season 3 includes a description of a serious shooting incident, so listener discretion is advised. Buckle up and get ready for True Suspense. Arthur Perlstein, and this podcast from the True Suspense Collection is Night Raids. Here is episode three. And then it was over. Initially, I thought that I was going to die. I thought I was going to be shot. In response to the sound of the back door crashing open, David Hooks rushed across the foyer and into the living room, heading in the direction of the dining room, kitchen, and back door, with his shotgun in hand and Teresa Hooks following close behind. Before the Hookses could reach the dining room, multiple shots were fired from both 40 caliber handguns and assault rifles. David Hooks fired no shots. His shotgun, it turns out, had no bullets in the chamber. It was defective, and he could not have fired a shot even if he had tried. During the gunfire, Teresa turned around, ran across the living room and through the foyer, and ducked unscathed into the master bedroom, locking the door behind her. From the master bedroom, she called her son, Brandon Dean, and told him that she was being robbed, that shots had been fired, and he should call 911. Brandon Dean's residence was located just across a pond from the Hooks' residence. After receiving Teresa's phone call, Brandon immediately called 911 to inform them of the shooting. The 911 operator told him to stay on the phone until law enforcement arrived at the Hooks' residence. As the shots were being fired, David Hooks was passing through Three connected rooms, starting with the den, then through the dining room, and then into the kitchen. A total of between 16 and 23 shots were fired. In this hail of bullets, David was struck by three, but remained conscious. Neither David nor Teresa had realized that the men who'd crashed through the back door and begun firing shots were not gang members or criminals, but rather officers of the law executing a search warrant. As David lay incapacitated on the floor, 
the officers began shouting for whoever was still in the house to come out. Teresa Hooks, still locked in the master bedroom, did not hear these commands. What she finally did hear, however, was the sound of chatter on police radios. She suddenly realized that law enforcement was on the scene. She slowly opened the bedroom door, stuck out her hands to show they were empty, and walked out. The first person she saw was Officer Steve Verton, who immediately handcuffed Teresa Hooks behind her back with metal cuffs and took her out the back door. To get to the back door, Officer Verton required Teresa Hooks, who was barefoot, to walk through broken glass and her husband's blood. In Teresa's words, he walks me to the living room, put the handcuffs on me behind me, He tells me to follow him and to keep looking at him, and he walks me through the living room and the dining room. Then, when we get to the kitchen, I see blood. He walks me through the glass and the blood. I was barefooted. He takes me outside, puts me in a chair by the pool. After he was shot, a medic on standby for the sheriff's response team had tended to David's injuries in an attempt to stabilize him for transport. Emergency services were called, but as mentioned in a previous episode, the weather was poor that night and air evacuation was not possible. An ambulance arrived on the premises at about 11.15 p.m. and left shortly thereafter with David Hooks, headed for the nearby Fairview Park Hospital. The paramedics knew at the time that they were headed to Fairview Park that it was not a major trauma center, and its facilities were therefore inadequate given the severity of David Hooks' injuries. The nearest hospital with the necessary trauma facilities was in Macon, Georgia, some 55 miles away, but emergency workers feared that he would not survive a longer trip unless he was properly stabilized first. Later, David Hooks was transported via ambulance from Fairview Park Hospital's emergency room to the Coliseum Hospital in Macon. While Officer Verton acknowledges that Teresa Hooks was not under arrest and that he had no probable cause to arrest her, He admits that she was not free to leave. Indeed, he posted a guard with her to ensure that Teresa would be unable to leave. Officer Verton knew that, since a police shooting had taken place, Lawrence County officers would not be involved in any search of the Hooks' property. Instead, a search would be handled by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation known as the GBI, and Verton asserts that he detained Teresa Hooks, quote, for the GBI investigators until they deemed that she could go, unquote. And he says that it was standard operating procedure to, quote, detain anybody in the house until the investigators decide whether they need them or not, unquote. 
Sheriff William Harrell acknowledged that once Teresa Hooks was taken outside of the house, Lawrence County officers had complete control of the inside and outside of the residence and considered the property, quote, cleared. But Sheriff Harrell insists that Teresa's continued detention was for her own safety and for the safety of the Lawrence County officers and to ensure she remained on the premises to be interviewed by the GBI. While Teresa was being detained, Officer Verton asked a female Lawrence County officer, Deidre Bird, to search her. Officer Bird found nothing of note. Officer Verton later removed the metal handcuffs from Teresa but immediately replaced them with plastic zip-tie handcuffs. During her detention, Teresa reports being terrified, and she pleaded with the officers to find out about her husband's status and whether she could talk with him. All of her requests were ignored or denied. Indeed, Teresa was told she could not move until GBI interviewed her. Her detention continued, and GBI officers did not come to interview Teresa until a full two hours after she was escorted out the back door of the house in handcuffs. During this time, she remained unaware that her husband, David, had been taken to the hospital. You will recall that when Teresa had locked herself in the bedroom after hearing the gunshots, she immediately called her son, Brandon, who called 911. Soon after being told by the 911 operator to stay on the line, Brandon saw blue lights from across the pond, and he was disconnected from the 911 call, so he got in his truck and drove over to the Hook's residence. Upon arriving at the house, he exited his vehicle, unsure of what was going on. Brandon was almost immediately tackled by Lawrence County officers and handcuffed behind his back. He was placed in the back of a police vehicle and, like his mother, Brandon was detained for interview by the GBI. Eventually, both Teresa and, separately, her son Brandon were interviewed by GBI agents. When the interview with Teresa was finished, Sheriff Harrell himself finally removed the zip-tie handcuffs from her hands. When the cuffs were off and Teresa was finally allowed to leave her premises, the time was about 1.30 a.m. on September 25th. It was only then that Teresa learned that David had been transported to the local hospital. She called Fairview and was told that David had since been transported to the Coliseum Hospital in Macon. Teresa and her son Brandon then got in his truck, picked up her daughter, and drove for the better part of an hour to the hospital in Macon, where David Hooks had been taken.
On the way to Macon, Teresa called the Coliseum Hospital and was told to let them know at the front desk when she got there and someone would meet her. Upon arrival, Teresa, along with her son and daughter, was escorted to a waiting room. David was in surgery, and hospital staff informed Teresa that they had, quote, lost him one time and got him back, unquote. About ten minutes later, a nurse and a doctor came out to speak with the hooks. The news was bad. According to the doctor, quote, David did not make it. Soon, Teresa was taken to a corridor where her husband lay dead on a gurney. When later describing what she saw, Teresa said, His head was swollen, big. The side of his face was gone. His chest was open. She identified the body and filled out paperwork. Teresa was not, however, permitted to return to her home, which was now under the control of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Shortly after Teresa had left her home for the hospital, Special Agent Lindsay Giddens of the GBI obtained a new search warrant for the Hooks residence, separate from the one that had been acquired by the Sheriff's Department. The grounds for the new warrant was that there was probable cause to believe evidence of aggravated assault on a police officer was located within the Hooks residence. Later, GBI agents sought a so-called search warrant addendum, noting in their application for it that, quote, one, Lawrence County Sheriff's Office personnel had not executed a search of the residence, vehicles, and outside buildings for methamphetamine as authorized by the September 24 drug search warrant. And two, GBI agents began executing the search warrant issued to Special Agent Giddens on September 25, 2014, but had not conducted a search for methamphetamine and paraphernalia. The application noted that the search for meth and paraphernalia, quote, was the reason Lawrence County SRT and deputies were at this location, unquote. To give you a sense of the timing of the search by the GBI, here is the sequence of their activity. GBI took over the scene from the Sheriff's Department shortly before midnight on Wednesday the 24th of September. Between the original GBI warrant and the addendum, the GBI had access to conduct a thorough search of the property that lasted until approximately 8 p.m. on Friday, September 26th. In other words, over 40 hours for a number of GBI agents to conduct the search. In all that time, not a single item of contraband was found. No illegal drugs, no paraphernalia, 
no equipment needed to process or produce illegal drugs, no suspicious items or material of any kind. And it was only after the lengthy search was concluded that Teresa Hooks was allowed to return home almost 48 hours after her ordeal had begun. An obituary for David Hooks soon appeared, announcing the funeral would be held on September 30th. The obituary included the following narrative. Quote, David was a loving and devoted husband, father, grandfather, brother, uncle, cousin, and friend. There was nothing he loved to do more then spend time with his family and to be outdoors hunting and fishing. He worked all hours of the day and night to support his family and make sure their needs were met. David was owner and operator of East Side Construction Company and always loved his occupation. He would give you the shirt off his back and was always willing to help someone in need. Unquote. On Facebook, David's daughter Carla posted, quote, He was the best dad a girl could ever have. Unquote. The day after the funeral, attorney Mitch Shook, speaking for Teresa Hooks and the Hooks family, issued a written statement. It started out with these words quote, We buried a great man yesterday. Our loss is devastating to our family and to our community, unquote. In the very next paragraph, it went on to say, quote, We want the public to know the true facts of this tragedy are in stark contrast to the media reports released by law enforcement at this time, unquote. The news release from the Lawrence County Sheriff's Office referred to had alleged that David Hooks was killed after he got out a firearm and started, quote, showing aggression. The sheriff's office claimed that uniformed deputies identified themselves at the Hooks's back door and announced that they had a search warrant. Law enforcement opened fire because David supposedly refused to drop his weapon. The statement from family attorney Mitch Shook told a somewhat different story, pointing out that the original search warrant was based on a statement by Rodney Grant, a, quote, confessed burglar, thief, and a meth addict who was under the influence at the time of his arrest, unquote, and had just burglarized the Hook's property, made the warrant, quote, invalid on its face as it did not comport with the requirements of the Constitution of the State of Georgia nor the United States Constitution, unquote. It went on to say the following, quote, Armed with an invalid search warrant and with less than an hour of preparation, at approximately 10.55 p.m., several members of the Drug Task Force and the Lawrence County Sheriff's response team arrived at David and Teresa Hook's home unannounced by emergency lights or sirens. 
There is no question the officers were aware the home had been burglarized only two nights earlier, unquote. Regardless of whose perspective you find most credible, all would agree with the words of Teresa Hooks as she later summed up what happened. Quote, the shots were fired and it was over. Unquote. Referring to the death of David Hooks, the Shook statement explained that, quote, several shots were fired through a blind wall at David, with the shooters not knowing who or what was on the other side of the wall. The trajectory of the shots, coupled with the number of shots, infers a clear intent on behalf of the shooters to kill David Hooks. David was hit multiple times and ultimately died from the gunshot wounds he suffered. There is no evidence whatsoever that David Hooks fired a weapon. I must repeat, this happened inside his home. Unquote. Meanwhile, Sheriff Bill Harrell's office indicated they would be releasing no further information and declined to respond to the statement from Mitch Shook on behalf of the Hooks family. In a headline, a Washington Post columnist invited readers to, quote, meet 59-year-old David Hooks, the latest drug raid fatality, unquote. Among other headlines in the news and on the web, quote, 59-year-old Georgia man killed in no-knock raid, no drugs found, unquote. And SWAT team shot David Hooks at home after tip from meth addict. And perhaps most telling was this one, quote, Cops shoot and kill grandpa in fruitless raid based on a tip from the thief who stole his car, unquote. The local population generally reacted with disbelief and strong criticism over the deadly raid. Rallies were held in support of the Hooks family, starting with one on October 13th, just weeks after the death of David Hooks. Here is a snippet of the rally, starting as criminal defense lawyer and activist Catherine Bernard has just introduced Hook's family attorney, Mitch Shook. It was an outdoor event with cameras snapping, and the sound quality is not great, so I will repeat the key sentences afterwards.
So, in case you missed it, Mr. Shook relayed the family's thanks to the people for coming to the rally and for their willingness to stand up and say, quote, enough is enough. He explained that the family was, quote, starting its journey towards justice, unquote, and warned those responsible that the Hooks family was not alone. Mitch Shook then referred to their search for the truth which would start with, quote, sifting through the lies and deceptions that have come forth by the people responsible for this act, unquote. Thank you for listening to Night Raids. In our next episode, we will take a deeper dive into the search warrant and the circumstances surrounding the death of David Hooks, looking at events from different perspectives. We'll examine new evidence and new accusations from Mitch Shook and from the Sheriff's Office and discover what happened over the following year as an investigation into the conduct of law enforcement takes place and the question of crime and blame heads to court. Stay tuned to Episode 4 of Night Raids, The Rocky Road to Justice. Night Raids is a production of True Suspense Podcasts, written and narrated by me, Arthur Perlstein. Music, sound engineering, and post-production by Guy Bainbridge and Walls End Studios. Be sure to visit truesuspense.com for more information about this podcast and other True Suspense productions.